In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending July the 8th, well, late Thursday night, various agriculture groups came out to thank the U.S. Senate for passing the Robert Stabenow Food Biotechnology Labeling Measure, otherwise known as the GMO Labeling Bill, or S-764. They approved it by a vote of 63 to 30. And many of those groups are now encouraging the House to also pass this legislation this next week. Information on the GMO and ingredients available by smart codes and smartphones is a part of that national labeling bill. With more information on that, here's Rod Bain. The U.S. Senate late Thursday approved a national GMO labeling bill. The A's are 63, the nays are 30. The bill calls for a mandatory labeling system for all 50 states and requires the Agriculture Department to administer which food products and ingredients should be labeled as GMO. As Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack has said on numerous occasions, when it comes to any form of GMO labeling, I think there are ways in which we can use new technologies to provide consumers adequate information and full information without sending the wrong message about the safety of the food that's being consumed in the United States. And under the Senate bill, products with GMO ingredients would be labeled via text, symbols, or a smartphone-readable electronic code. Also, USDA has given two years to develop the rules and regulations of a nationwide GMO labeling program. The Senate measure now goes to the House of Representatives, which last year passed a voluntary GMO labeling bill. A broadband reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Thanks, Rod. And while all eyes have been on action concerning the GMO labeling bill this week, Colin Woodall, National Cattlemen's Beef Association Senior Vice President of Government Affairs, said this is actually one bill they did not want to have to be a part of. Because really it was looking at fruits, vegetables, and other foods. But unfortunately, there is an idea out there that if an animal eats GMO feed, that that steak should be labeled as a GMO steak. There's nothing about eating something that changes your physiology in order to actually give some substance to that argument. I like strawberries. Just because I eat a strawberry does not mean I turn into a strawberry. And we have the same thing with the GMO feed. So we're trying to do everything we can to exempt this feed from the labeling because there's no need to have a label on a, on a package of, of beef just saying that it ate GMO feed. It's pretty ridiculous. So we're doing everything we can to work with the Senate to prevent that. Whittle says really the perspective of the GMO discussion needs to be changed. It just also opens up the ridiculousness of the of the whole labeling scheme as it is. You know, when you look at agriculture biotechnology, when you look at genetically modified organisms, we've been modifying food for ages. Nature does it on its own, but it's been painted as this bad thing, and unfortunately that is a notion that the consumer has really gravitated towards. What we need to do is instead of labeling this product, show the consumers that without GMO food, there's no way we're going to be able to feed ourselves or the growing number of mouths around the world. We need to change the perspective from which this discussion is taking place. Well, in other news, we told you recently that La Nina was starting to take hold of our weather pattern, which for the southeast can mean hot, dry conditions. And according to Tyron Spearman, that is not good news for peanut farmers, as many of those fields could use a good rain right now. The National Ag Statistics Service at USDA says this week that the peanut crop in the southeast and nation is at 48% pegging. That compares to 35%, the five-year average. Conditions were rated 2% poor. 27 fair, 59 good, and 12% excellent. In Georgia, they said that 56% of the crop is pegging this week. That compares to 33% on the five-year average, so the crop is ahead of schedule. Conditions were rated 1% very poor, 4% poor, 21% fair, 58 good, and 16% excellent. On the soil moisture, they said 
Georgia was very short, needed rain, 16% very short, 39 short, 45 adequate, 0% surplus. It said the area has received hit and miss showers, but the peanut growers are starting their white mold fungicide program. Alabama's at 40% pegging. That compares to 43 in the five-year average, and Florida is at 61% pegging, and 43 is their five-year average. But overall, Southeast needs rain on the peanut belt. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. For this week's Georgia Grown Moment, here's Nathan Wilson. For this week's Georgia Grown Moment, Cindy Norton, Agritourism Manager at the Department of Agriculture, speaks about what you can experience at the upcoming Georgia On My Mind Day at the Ringgold Visitor Center. They can come in and talk to any of the vendors that are there. There will be music playing. Sometimes some of the vendors are giving out food if they're a restaurant. They can pick up information. There are always maps available at all the visitor centers. and It's a great way to spotlight what is in Georgia to allow companies and businesses to come in and showcase their business, tell people about it as they're passing through. So it's a collaboration to kind of work together to get people to come through Georgia, see what we have, stop at the farm, see what a wonderful place we are, to buy some Georgia-grown product and know what we've got out there. The next Georgia On My Mind Day will be this Friday, July 15th at the Ringgold Visitor Center from 10 to 2. For more information about touring this great state of ours, visit www.exploregeorgia.org and georgiagrown.com. For Georgia Grown, I'm Nathan Wilson. Kathy Isom tells us about a month-long celebration that's underway for an item many enjoy when picnicking or at the ballpark. July is National Hot Dog Month, and according to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, Americans will be consuming the infamous Little Red Tubes of Beet in record numbers this summer. The council estimates that over 7 billion hot dogs will be eaten by Americans between Memorial Day and Labor Day, including an estimated 150 million hot dogs on the 4th of July. Speaking of the 4th, which many consider the official kickoff to National Hot Dog Month, at the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on Coney Island in New York City, Joey Chestnut regained the title from Matt Stoney after eating a record number 70 hot dogs in just 10 minutes. On the women's side, it was Mickey Sudo who ate 38 hot dogs and defend her title. For interesting facts, fun, and the history of hot dogs, you can learn more by visiting the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council online at hot-dog.org. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder talks about pesticide use and farmers losing their ability to produce. I can remember when the American Farm Bureau Federation boasted that one American farmer fed himself and 26 other people. Well, that figure today is closer to 126. By 2050, he has to double that to avoid food shortages. Well, if you knew what's happening in the world today, you'd be worried. Not just the EPA that's trying to generate less farm production, it's a lot of the general public. Right now, there's more than one group or agency trying to take away the chemical tool that enables a farmer to feed 126 people. Ban all GMO seed and plants. Take away chemicals that enables a farmer to grow food instead of weeds and insects. doesn't matter that science sees them as safe. Environmental groups and the growing public are demanding an end to their use. If that ever happens, production will surely begin to decline. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Greiner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more from this past week can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.